From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought taken from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher C.H. Spurgeon and found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Giving Without a Whisper. The text is Matthew chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. No promise is made to those who give to the poor to be seen of men. They have their reward at once, and cannot expect to be paid twice. Let us hide away our charity. Yes, hide it even from ourselves. Give so often and so much as a matter of course, that you no more take note that you have helped the poor than that you have eaten your regular meals. Do your alms without even whispering to yourself, How generous I am! Do not thus attempt to reward yourself, Leave the matter with God, who never fails to see, to record, and to reward. Blessed is the man who is busy in secret with his kindness. He finds a special joy in his unknown benevolences. This is the bread which, eaten by stealth, is sweeter than the banquets of kings. How can I indulge myself today with this delightful luxury? Let me have a real feast of tenderness and flow of soul. Here and hereafter the Lord himself will personally see to the rewarding of the secret giver of alms. This will be in his own way and time, and he will choose the very best. How much this promise means, it will need eternity to reveal.
Down through the centuries there have been remarkable visitations of God, during which thousands were gloriously saved. Times such as the Protestant Reformation, the revivals in England under John Wesley and George Whitfield, the Great Awakening in America associated with Jonathan Edwards, were times of genuine spiritual revival. The common factor in all of these events was an undeniable demonstration of the power of God rather than the ingenuity of man. In the early 1950s, such a revival occurred on the Isle of Lewis, one of the Hebrides off the west coast of Scotland. In the course of several years, hundreds of people were converted to Christ, and many churches were built to take care of them. Again, the Holy Spirit of God came down in power. The preacher during those days was the Reverend Duncan Campbell. Yet what took place on Lewis was not due to his pulpit skills, but to the overwhelming moving of God among the people. Strong men, hardened sinners who mocked the preacher, were suddenly struck to their knees by the roadside under conviction of sin. Young people in a local dance hall left their frivolity and ran to the churches, crying for mercy upon their souls. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available CD copies of what happened during those revival times on the Isle of Lewis, including Duncan Campbell's own account of that, as well as personal testimonies of people who came to salvation in Jesus Christ during those revival times. To obtain your own copies of what happened at that time, just request the CDs of the Revival on the Isle of Lewis. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or if you wish, you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You will be blessed greatly as you listen to these accounts of the power of God at work.
On today's broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues the message called The Day of Pentecost, part of this series on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that day was the secret of the power of the early church. It was a miraculous event, not some psychological phenomenon. In the scriptural account of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter explained the meaning of it. First, it marked the inauguration of the New Testament church. But the experience of Pentecost is not to be confined to the early church. Although the event itself will not be repeated, yet every believer receives the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion, and the power of the Spirit should be evident in the lives of individual Christians as well as in the church as a whole. This is where the secret of spiritual power resides. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, The Day of Pentecost. There is a fullness for Christians. Fundamentalists used to be foremost in preaching it. If I may again refer to Dr. Rice, wherever he preached, he preached of the fullness of the Holy Ghost for the individual Christian. His great gospel campaigns were always based first upon a preaching to Christians and making sure that God's people understood that they could be and should be filled with the Holy Ghost. And what's happened in fundamentalism? Were the fundamental fathers wrong in their belief that the gospel is never expected to go anywhere without a demonstration of Pentecostal power? Were they wrong? Or could it be that modern fundamentalists are the one that's wrong? I believe that the older generation entirely in this, I believe with them entirely, I have no warrant ever from Scripture to believe that the gospel is meant to go into places to save people and to build churches without a demonstration of the power of God. Churches, in other words, are not just congregations of people that are gathered together by gimmicks and by uh, various techniques but they are living bodies of people that are brought together by the sovereign activity of God the Holy Spirit, and their witness is made effectual by that same activity of the Holy Spirit. So, there is something perpetual. Now, what is perpetual? Well, we come finally, and I have to be very quick here, the message of Pentecost. What is it saying to us? Let me quickly direct your attention to the time. The day of Pentecost. What is it? If you want to understand Pentecost, you should go back to the Old Testament Scriptures. Let me direct your attention particularly to Leviticus 23. In verse 15 and 16, you'll find that the day of Pentecost came uh, 50 days. That's what gives it its name. Came 50 days after the Passover, it was known as the Feast of Weeks. Now notice the exact timing. Leviticus 23 sets out a series of very important events. First in verse 5, the Passover. Then in verse 10, the Feast of First Fruits. 
And if you read on there, you'll find that that feast of first fruits, verse 11, is one day after the Passover Sabbath. Passover, the feast of first fruits, and then the feast of Pentecost. Now that's God's order. Notice it very carefully. In the Passover, you have a picture of the death of Christ. Paul says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. The death of Christ. Now watch it carefully. On the day after the Passover Sabbath, there is the taking of the sheep of the first fruits of the barley harvest. And that sheep is weaved before the Lord. What happened? On the first day after the Sabbath, on that great Passover week when Jesus died, he rose. And in that feast of the first fruits, you have the resurrection and the presentation of Jesus Christ to God his Father. Now, after 50 days from the Passover, you have Pentecost. Christ has died. To use Paul's words of his resurrection, he is the first fruits. He has been presented before God. His merit and his blood are brought before the throne. And now there comes the outpouring of the Spirit of God. That's the order. Pentecost can never be separated from Calvary. I want you to see here's the fulfillment of the promise of Christ. When he has gone to the Father, he will pray the Father, and he will send them another comforter. This is exactly what is taking place. Now when it takes place, watch again just what happens. Pentecost itself in Leviticus 23, is the first fruits of the wheat harvest. A lot of people get mixed up here because you have first fruits at, at the uh, day after the Passover Sabbath, and now seven weeks later you have a first fruits, and people get worried. It's the first fruits of the barley harvest on that day in the, after the Sabbath of Passover. Now it's the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And what happens here? Two loaves made from the wheat. They are taken and they are weighed before the Lord. Two loaves. First fruits of the wheat harvest. What's that? James 1.18. We are a kind of first fruits of these creatures. What are we? We are like wheat loaves that are taken before the Lord. And we are weighed before Him. Now watch this very carefully. Jesus said in John 12 and 24, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, then thank God it doesn't abide alone, but it produces a great harvest. Now Christ is that corn of wheat. He has fallen into the ground and died, and he has produced a harvest. And this day of Pentecost, 
was, as it were, the formation of those two loaves. It was the first fruit of a great harvest of souls. I watch it very carefully. In Leviticus 23, verse 20, the latter part of the verse, we read that the two loaves are waved with the two lambs. Or, as it may be translated, the two loaves are waved over the two lambs. Now let's see what it's saying. And this is the message of Pentecost. This is supremely the message of Pentecost. The waving of the loaves would be the presentation for acceptance with God of the church of Jesus Christ. What is the ground of that acceptance? It is the Lamb. And God's people come before God. They are not presenting their works. They are not presenting their experience. They are not presenting anything but the blood and merit of the precious Lamb of God. Presenting Christians on the basis of the Lamb. This is the testimony of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. It's his testimony to the believer. It's his testimony in the believer. It's his testimony to the world through the believer. The Spirit on the day of Pentecost had no message but Christ crucified, risen, and the only merit for the salvation of his people. That's the message. And it comes through very clearly from the time. The day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was given. The tokens were wind and fire. Now I'm not dealing with those in any detail, for I spent a whole message dealing with the symbols of the Spirit, and these were two of them. But the wind would remind us of the sovereignty. John 3 and 8, he blows where he wishes. The sovereignty of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. The irresistible might of the Spirit. And the life-giving breath of the Spirit. These are all included in the idea of the wind. And then the fire. Purifying. And spreading. The tokens of the Spirit. What is the message of Pentecost then from the tokens? The message of Pentecost from the tokens that he uses is that God has visited his church with a sovereign, life-giving exhibition of saving power that he purifies first his people to use them as instruments in the work of God and that he spreads irresistibly so that no man can stop him. And everything, what a picture it is of revival power, everything in the path of God the Holy Spirit is like fuel for fire. Oh, that we could grasp message of Pentecost for our day then. Then there's the tongues at Pentecost. Time does not permit me to get into a big discussion on the tongues of the Bible and the tongues of the modern charismatic movement. Sufficient to say that in Acts 2 we're dealing with real languages. I remember pointing this out many years ago. Many people want to call themselves Pentecostalists. That's basing their experience, obviously, in Acts 2. And yet, when I pin them down, 
they tell me, well, Acts 2 might have been actual languages, but we are going by 1 Corinthians 14, and there uh, they are ecstatic utterances. Well, first of all, I don't believe that 1 Corinthians 14 is teaching we have ecstatic utterances, meaningless uh, gibberish in the church. I don't believe that at all. But even allowing it for the sake of argument, wouldn't it be more honest then for this movement to call itself a Corinthian movement than a Pentecostal movement? Why not? Well, Corinthian has too many overtones and undertones, I suppose. But Pentecost, they were real languages. In verse 6, in fact, the Greek word is dialect. Just to make sure we understand that the word tongue means a word uh, means language, it is the very dialects. They understood each one in his own language. Now let me say certainly this was a miracle that was a sign of the Spirit's fullness. It has absolutely no, no connection with what modern charismatics parade as the Pentecostal gift. These were real languages, theirs are not real languages. These were used for preaching. The ones today are normally used for praying and what not. These came on all the disciples who were gathered, without exception. And yet it's strange that in later cases, some later cases there was no mention of tongues of any description. And then Paul tops it all when he teaches clearly that all are not supposed, even in those early days of the church, all were not supposed to speak in tongues. So in the early church, they were not essential to the fullness of the Spirit. And let me say, these are the real tongues of Scripture. And even then, they were not the essential mark. They were part of God's work in the day of Pentecost. But they were not thereafter an essential mark upon all people who were filled with the Holy Ghost. Furthermore, they were a real miracle. They were a real miracle. You'll have to study a little more fully to follow me through in this. I'm only going to make a statement. That in the physical realm, pure miracle in Scripture only takes place in a period of revelation when God is revealing some new stage in the history of redemption. This Bible revelation is finished. And the next period of revelation has to do with the personal coming of Jesus Christ. And not until then will there be a return to physical miracles in the church. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. 
Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. 